0: Welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman, and this morning I'm joined by Linda Carlisle. It's Saturday, January 13th, 2024. In this episode, we will talk about the surge in oil prices following strikes in Yemen, the UK's commitment to provide military assistance to Ukraine, the record-breaking heat in 2023, the emergence of Arena Bioworks in drug discovery, and the call for action against Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban by over 100 members of the European Parliament. Story number one, oil prices surged by 4% following strikes by the U.S. and U.K. in Yemen in response to recent attacks by Houthi rebels on ships in the Red Sea, as reported by the BBC. Brent crude reached $1.80 per barrel, the highest level this year. The rebels backed by Iran have threatened to retaliate against Western military action. The U.K. government has expressed concerns about the impact of ongoing attacks on shipping in the Red Sea on the fragile U.K. economy. Including the potential for higher energy prices and increased inflation. The attacks have already disrupted global trade, with shipping companies diverting vessels and experiencing delays. The Houthi group has declared support for Hamas and has targeted ships heading to Israel. The attacks have led to increased costs for shipping and goods, affecting companies such as Tesla, Volvo, and Tesco. The situation in Yemen has also raised worries about global supply chain management and the shipping industry. Where all this is heading is definitely unpredictable. Military strikes against Houthi rebels are indeed causing a ripple effect across global trade. The Red Sea being a vital trade route is now a hotbed of tension. It's not just about the surge in oil prices. We're also seeing a shift in shipping strategies as major companies are wary of sending their fleets through this volatile region.
1: Yes, Mark. The immediate impact on oil prices is significant, But it's the longer-term effects that could be more detrimental. With each strike, the cost of shipping containers rises, and companies may pass these additional costs on to consumers. This could exacerbate the already high inflation rate. The UK government, for instance, is already bracing for economic disruption. It
0: reminds me of the saying, when elephants fight, it's the grass that suffers. In this case the elephants are the big geopolitical forces and the grass represents the global economies and everyday consumers the heightened energy prices risk stoking inflation and this happens just as we've started seeing signs of it slowing down
1: that's an apt metaphor mark and the grass is also the numerous businesses that depend on these trade routes the diversion around the cape of good hope is adding at least 10 days of travel affecting the supply chain and increasing the cost of goods. Carmaker Stellantis, for example, is resorting to air freight solutions to avoid disruption.
0: Right, the logistics sector is taking a heavy hit. And let's not forget about the impact on the shipping industry itself. Torm, the Danish fuel tanker giant, has stopped allowing its fleet to sail through the Southern Red Sea. That's a significant move. Close to a quarter of the world's shipping containers are being diverted, and that's bound to have some serious repercussions.
1: Jen, and it's not just the shipping industry. The ripple effects will be felt across various sectors. Higher commodity prices can lead to increased production costs for businesses, which can, in turn, lead to job losses. The economy at large will be under strain, and this could potentially slow down the recovery from the pandemic-induced recession.
0: Story number two. In a report from the New York Times... British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak will announce during his visit to Kyiv that the UK will provide over $3 billion in military assistance to Ukraine next year, the largest annual commitment since the start of Russia's invasion. The aid package includes funds for military drones, long-range missiles, air defenses, and artillery ammunition. This support aims to reassure Ukraine amid concerns of a potential shortfall in Western assistance, as aid packages from the U.S. and E.U. remain blocked due to political disputes. The U.K.'s commitment solidifies its reputation as one of Ukraine's strongest supporters and helps alleviate fears of wavering Western support. Whoa, Britain's really stepping up to the plate with that military aid package for Ukraine, huh? More than $3 billion. That's no small change. It's a clear signal to the rest of the world that the Brits aren't leaving Ukraine to fend for itself.
1: But beyond the financial aspect, the significance of this aid package lies in its symbolic value as well. It sends a strong message that Britain is committed to supporting Ukraine in its struggle against Russian aggression. It's about bolstering global solidarity in times of crisis.
0: It's a show of force in a way. But I think it's also about putting pressure on other Western nations, especially the U.S. and EU, who've been a bit slow on the uptake because of internal political squabbles. In a sense, Britain is saying, hey, look, we're doing our part. What about you?
1: That's an interesting point, Mark. But let's not overlook the humanitarian aspect here. The aid package includes essential military equipment like drones, air defenses and ammunition, all of which could help save countless lives in Ukraine. As President Zelensky said, without such aid, it's nearly impossible to survive.
0: Right, right. And speaking of Zelensky, it's not just about the physical aid, but also the moral support. I mean, the guy's been touring the Baltic states, urging allies to help hold the line, and then Britain comes through with this. It's, it's like a shot in the arm, you know?
1: I agree, Mark. It's indeed a morale booster for Ukraine. But at the same time, It also underpins the role that nations play during times of conflict. It's about the commitments we make and the lengths we're willing to go to uphold international law and human rights. And in that respect, Britain's aid package could serve as a model for others.
0: Story number three. 2023 was the hottest year on record, according to new data released by NASA and NOAA, as reported by NPR. The global average temperature was nearly three-tenths of a degree Fahrenheit warmer than the previous warmest year. This significant increase is a cause for concern among scientists, who warn that the effects of rising temperatures, such as extreme weather events, will only worsen in the coming years. The main driver of global warming is the burning of fossil fuels, which releases large amounts of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere. Despite some efforts to reduce emissions, global emissions are still rising there is a one-in-three chance that 2024 will be another record-breaking year, partly due to the influence of El Nino. It's staggering, Linda, when you think about it. 2023 was the hottest year on record. We're not talking a marginal increase either. Scientists are floored by how much warmer it was.
1: The numbers are indeed dire. We're talking around three-tenths of a degree Fahrenheit warmer than the previous record. That's a jump that's hard to wrap your head around.
0: Yeah, and you know, Linda, in the grand scheme of things, these increases might seem minuscule. But when we're talking about the global average temperature, even a few tenths can have catastrophic impacts.
1: And we've seen the evidence of these impacts. Just look at the devastating floods in China, wildfires in the States, and the list goes on. And these extreme weather events are not just harmful, they're deadly. It's a stark reminder that climate change is not just about the environment— It's about lives and livelihoods.
0: Couldn't agree more, Linda. It's alarming, really. We're seeing the effects of global warming right here, right now. It's not some distant threat. And if scientists' projections are correct, we'll only see more of this in the next decade. That's a sobering thought.
1: Yes. And it's important to remember that this warming trend is driven primarily by human activity. We're releasing massive amounts of carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases through burning fossil fuels. Our actions are directly contributing to these record-breaking temperatures.
0: Right. And while it's good to see some efforts to rein in these emissions, it's clear we're not doing enough. U.S. greenhouse gas emissions only dropped by about 2% last year. That's... well, it's not nearly enough to meet our climate targets.
1: That's a key point, Mark. The changes we need to make are significant, not incremental. And with the current El Nino conditions predicted to persist well into 2024, we're potentially looking at yet another record-breaking year. It's a grim outlook, but a necessary wake-up call.
0: Yes, Linda, it's a call to action. We all have a role to play in curbing this crisis and securing a stable future for our planet. The time to act is now. Story number four. Arena Bioworks, as reported by the New York Times, is a splinter group of scientists based in an unmarked laboratory in Cambridge, Massachusetts. They aim to accelerate drug discovery by offering seven-figure paydays to highly credentialed university professors and scientists. The group, backed by $500 million from wealthy families, aims to bypass the slow pace and administrative hurdles of traditional scientific research at universities and pharmaceutical companies. Their goal is to discover new drugs, initially for cancer and brain disease, that can be quickly produced and sold for profit. The initiative has attracted attention and criticism from the academic community, as drug discoveries have traditionally originated at universities and contributed to their endowments. Arena Bioworks operates in stealth mode and has attracted nearly 100 researchers, including renowned scientist Stuart Schreiber. According to the New York Times, its billionaire backers, including Michael Dell and an heiress to the Subway sandwich fortune, Anticipate doubling or tripling their investment in later rounds. Is it just me, Linda, or does this whole Arena Bioworks venture feel like a case of I'm going to take my ball and go home? I mean, these are big money folks. Used to getting results quickly, right? So traditional academic research seems too slow, too bureaucratic for them. And hey, I get it. From a business perspective, I can see the appeal of bypassing all that red tape and getting straight to the point.
1: Well, Mark... It's certainly a dramatic shift from the traditional academia-led model of drug discovery, which has given us so many breakthroughs over the years. However, I feel it's important to note that this move is not necessarily about impatience, but more about a desire to expedite the drug discovery process. I mean, we're living in a time where the need for quick solutions to global health crises is more evident than ever.
0: True, Linda and I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing the potential of this move the idea of focusing on progress without the usual academic hassle is attractive. But let's not forget that for decades, a lot of drug discoveries have not just originated at universities, but also produced profits that helped fund further research and development. If that windfall goes private, well, where does that leave our academic institutions?
1: That's a valid concern, Mark. This model could indeed reduce the financial resources available for universities, which could have a domino effect on other research areas. The role of universities and government grants in drug discovery has been significant, and there's also an ethical dimension here about who should own and profit from public health solutions.
0: I'm all for the free market and innovation, but there's a balance that needs to be struck. Now, it's possible that Arena Bioworks could produce groundbreaking drugs faster, which would be a win for everyone. But it's also important to remember that this is uncharted territory. It's a gamble. And like any gamble, it could pay off or it could flop. Only time will tell.
1: It's a complex issue with no easy answers. But it's worth following closely, as its success or failure could shape the future of drug discovery and, by extension, global health.
0: Story number five. Over 100 members of the European Parliament have signed a letter calling for measures to be taken against Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, including the potential withdrawal of his voting rights, as reported by Al Jazeera. The letter argues that Hungary has repeatedly undermined the rule of law and disrupted decision-making within the European Union. Last month, Orban blocked a review of the EU budget that included financial aid for Ukraine. The letter calls for action to protect the values of the European Union and suggests the suspension of specific membership rights for Hungary. The move comes ahead of a planned resolution on Hungary in the European Parliament next week. Good grief, Linda. This move against Hungary's Viktor Orban in the European Parliament is quite a statement. More than a hundred members are advocating for suspending his voting rights. Talk about taking a stand.
1: It is a serious call to action and one that highlights the tension between democratic sovereignty and supranational authority within the European Union. What's interesting here is that these lawmakers aren't just going after Orban, but also addressing the larger issue of rule of law within Hungary. They're concerned about the erosion of democratic checks and balances. And
0: this isn't the first time we've seen this kind of action in the EU. Remember when they took similar steps against Poland a while back? It's a tough balancing act, maintaining the values of democracy, human rights, and rule of law while respecting the sovereignty of member states.
1: It's a delicate balance, and one that the EU has struggled with. If we look at other international organizations, such as the UN, we see similar difficulties in dealing with member states' violations. The question is, how to preserve national sovereignty while still promoting international cooperation and supranational governance.
0: Well, Linda, what's clear is that these situations could have a significant impact on the future structure of the European Union. And not just in terms of member states' autonomy, but also in how the EU is perceived on the global stage. It's definitely something we should keep our eyes on.
1: Agreed, Mark. It's a complex issue that requires careful navigation. The decision they make could set a precedent for how they handle similar situations in the future. It's a critical juncture indeed.
0: That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow.
1: 5 at 8 is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.